growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to another episode of the How We Solve show, where we talk to smart individuals who have solved hard business problems so you don't have to find the pitfalls while you're growing your business. Hey, Julian, excited to have you on the show today. You're an executive leadership coach and you work with C-level and senior leaders and high potential emerging leaders in organizations to unlock their full potential so they can enhance their leadership. You also are the host of the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast, a show dedicated to providing leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive, which is awesome. I was just a guest on your show and I really had a blast. And we're very aligned in terms of our, our personal mission to help organizations and individuals grow. Super excited to have you on the show. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we can uh, sort of come back on and have a conversation with you again. Yes, yeah, brilliant. Maybe you want to fill in the blanks in terms of what you do, who you work with. My passion and my purpose is helping organizations thrive. And I do that through unlocking leadership potential. And I guess I have those moments in life when you have those times to think about four or five years ago when I was thinking about my career. I was in the corporate world, spent 20 years working in organizations like Heinz, Yoplait, sort of global corporate organizations on the sales and marketing. And I was successful, enjoyed it. But I noticed over that time what I really enjoyed and what really got me going, and I didn't know this until the latter part of that career, is when I saw one of my team or direct reports actually do something in terms of unlocking their potential and seeing them fly. And that's what got me buzzing. And I started to realize that's what I'm about. That's what my purpose was. And so then I, I sort of jump ship, so to speak, from the corporate world, set up my own business, trained as a coach. And now I deal with uh, organizations, usually the SME sort of, you know, anywhere from a 10, 15 people up to a few hundred people. And I work with other individuals, sort of C-suites or emerging leaders, along with doing team coaching. I also do leadership sort of workshops. And I'm also I'm a host, as you say, of a, of a podcast where I have the privilege of interviewing guests to help organizations thrive. That's a little pot of history of me. Outside of the sort of work side of things, I, I do trail running. I love being out in the countryside, pushing myself. I wouldn't say I'm an endurance athlete, but I have completed an Ironman. I've done ultra marathons, but I, I love to push the boundaries. And it's not so much the physical, it's the mental stuff. And I, and I feel... It's about a mental attitude, really, in some ways of doing that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did 75 hard. Have you heard of this challenge? No, I haven't, no. It's an app that you download, and then you track. You have to do a few things. You have to work out twice a day, minimum 45 minutes each. Even if you work out an hour and a half in the morning, you still have to do another session. One of these workouts has to be outside. You have to follow a diet. You have to drink a gallon of water, so four liters. You have to take a progress picture, and you have to read 10 pages or 10 minutes in the book. I think it was 10 pages. And if you miss one of those, you have to start over and you do this for 75 days. Wow. I got much fitter doing it. But the key thing, as you mentioned, it was like the mental game, the mental change, the mental toughness that came from doing this, you know, kind of like it's midnight and it's raining and you haven't done your second workout. I have to do the outside workout. I'm, I'm going for a run now. You know, this was like the defining moments, I guess. But anyhow, which problem are we solving today? The problem we're solving is how to unlock potential of your team. And that's what I I get excited about, individuals, but also teams. Cool. Then let's drill right into it. For me, it's going back to that mindset piece again, is how you go about this. 
well, there's three things really I, I say to, to leaders is how you can unlock the potential. First, you've got to start with yourself. It's not about the team initially. It's about you getting the right mindsets. Then it's establishing the right environment for your team and then bringing into that employing key skills to accomplish that. So if we um, just to start with the whole sort of mindset piece and sort of working on the individual piece, there's some, some key things that I always talk about with leaders really is to create a sense of openness and transparency in how you go about it. People want to see a bit more into your life. They want to see that you're authentic. They want to see that you're walking the talk, so to speak, because there's a whole aspect of role modeling comes into it when you're sort of trying to gather and galvanize a team. I think I talk about ambition as well. It's good to have an ambition. The reason I do endurance events in some ways is my ambition. And I think it's good to push the boundaries. It's good to have things to stretch you. It puts you in, a, in an uncomfortable position. I strongly believe when you become uncomfortable, and we don't like being uncomfortable too long, you become more resourceful. You become more cognitive of not just your strengths, but also your weaknesses. And opportunities can come out of that. And also, I think you become a little bit more aware of what the possibilities might be because you're in a situation where you need to think about a way out. And there's almost a psychology about this. It almost Your mind becomes a bit more survival. So it's looking for ways to achieve. And so I, I feel when you get into an uncomfortable position, you start to explore things that you would never have gone through before. And I, I do that myself personally by not just the events I do, but is setting yourself that uncomfortable vision. Mm-hmm. The big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah, it, it's something that will push you to limits. You know, I've got a, a goal to impact 100,000 leaders, which pushes me to do all sorts of things. And I, I reassess that. And I always think whatever I do, whatever I'm doing, whether it's talking to you or going with somebody else, I'm actually thinking, am I achieving this? Am I getting closer to this? Am I making an impact? And I hope, you know, just by me talking today to the tens, hundreds, whoever listened to this, I'm making an impact. And that's what I, I endeavor to do. And so that's why I do what I do. That's why I, I get onto these sort of positions of, I guess, being videoed. And it's not my natural thing. You know, I'm not naturally one for jumping into the stage, <laughs> but it's my purpose that drives me that. So, so mindset is really important. And what comes with that as well, I always say to leaders is take the opportunity to really reflect on what you've done that day, on what you've done in a context with an individual. When you engage with somebody, there's always something you can learn. There's always something you can do differently. And so take time out to, to reflect But yeah, mindset is important and having that mindset that actually your team have got max, a huge amount of potential on seeing the potential in individuals. And as you start to look at individuals, not as in what they can do for you, but actually what can I do for them to unlock that potential? It suddenly changes the perspective. It changes the dynamics, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think as leader, you're like the janitor who's there to remove stuff in front of their way so they can grow. And this is also, I think, the healthiest environment because then you can just make them shine. Also, when you have a growing organization, it can't be all about you. If you have a small team then or a small business, then yes. But once the business grows, you're just there to empower people and to help people grow. What you said before with, with your goal with the 100,000 leaders being impacted, I'm a big fan of having, you know, mission, vision, values in the organization, but also in my personal life, I have my personal mission, my personal vision, my, my goals, et cetera, my, my core values. I run myself like a business. So yeah, I think it's really important to have this and to also reflect on this. Like, am I really living up to this? 
or at the end of the day, kind of going over, you know, what went greatest day to just kind of reflect, am I really on course and on track? I want to back up a little bit. When is the point when somebody comes to you, like, you know, what happens? Changing the minds in your team is, of course, always a good thing, but what's usually the, the tipping point when people reach out to you? In the context of leading a team or in terms of... In context of like, hey, I need a coach now. Yeah, I guess where people feel they've got a, a problem, I guess, and a challenge. You know, I, I work with a lot of people where they, they just want clarity. A lot of people feel confused, very foggy, and that could be situationally, it could be internally as well. And I get a lot of people where they're not entirely sure where they're going, why they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing. And I do lots of stuff where I get people back to their core purpose and get that sort of clarity. Other people reach out to me where perhaps they, they've been promoted. They need a sense of support in that sort of transition. I'm a strong advocate in, you know, we need to support people along the way on, on people's development journeys. And so that can be another challenge for people. It could be also somebody who, some people come to me with goals of wanting to almost be better at presenting and confident in presenting in front of people or making an impact with their team or creating compelling visions, that type of thing. And so, again, I, I work on that in terms of, and again, that's, that's all a mindset thing. Confidence is really in the mind. And I help people change their perspectives. I help people by reframing them, but also giving them aspects of life and saying to them, you know, where are you more confident? You know, where are you best to feel confident and almost reframing that situation where they're not with where they are. And so there's lots of stuff I do, lots of techniques I do, but yes, a variety of scenarios that people will come to me, but I do a lot of stuff with people just overcoming their limiting beliefs. People might have a goal. It's that classic, isn't it? You know, I say to somebody, what, what is your goal? I want to get to the top of this mountain. And then again, you know, do you believe you can do that? And that can be the first stumbling block. They know they want to do it because deep down, that's what they want to do, but they don't believe they can do it. And if you don't believe you can do something, you will not do anything. You just procrastinate. You'll find every excuse possible. Also, my favorite quote from Henry Ford is, whether you think you can do it and whether or not, both times you're right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And before you make that step forward towards a goal, you've got to believe you can do it. And often I get to people where they are very ambitious and they've already been successful, but they get these big goals and there's a lack of belief. And that could be a historical thing, could be what somebody said to them, experience. Then I help them reframe that and we then smash that limiting belief. Because I believe we are only touching a certain percentage of what we can believe. Scratching the surface. Absolutely. And do you follow a certain methodology or you just came up with the system yourself? I don't have a methodology. As coaches, we bring our whole self. We bring our experiences. You know, I've got techniques I use. I use NLP techniques. I use lots of questioning, lots of listening. You know, listening is a, an underutilized intervention. You'd be surprised the power of listening to somebody. And, you know, I can be sometimes listening to somebody for 10, 15 minutes and they go, wow, just by me listening, they've thought out loud and have actually come to a solution themselves, overcome something, and all I've done is listen. Well, that's part of the process. Asking the right questions. What's your favorite coaching question in this context? I always start with something that's quite open because the key thing with coaching for me is not bringing your, your bias and any loaded questions or any assumptions. 
I've dealt with people who have come up with solutions that I've never even thought of, which is great because it's not for me to come up with solutions. It's for them to come up with solutions, but I might give some ideas. So I often always say, what would you like to have happen in this session? Which makes it very open. And even though I might have agreed certain key goals you want to work on as, as, as individuals over the time they're with me, in the moment right now, and I might say to you, David, what would you like to have happen in this session? And you will then be in the moment right now and you'll surface stuff that's relevant right now. It might be to do with your goals that you've, you've assigned it, but it might not be, or it might be something different. But that's what I deal with. I deal with the person right now. I'm not just ticking boxes of, oh, we've got your three goals. In fact, I want to smash those. I want you to do more than that, to be honest. Because often people come to me with what they think they want to do, but actually they don't really know until they get into the process. In Managing Happiness, we do like a vision board exercise, you know, kind of coming up like future planning, bucket list stuff. And one of the participants initially, he put like a very fancy car on his vision board. And three sessions later, he's like, he took it off and said, like, I don't even know why I put this there. I don't even like cars, you know, kind of just like following the world's dream and not kind of what you really care about. It's a really important thing to kind of figure out what, what you actually want out of life or what you want to do with your business or it's just like following the template that everybody else is running after, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So we covered mindsets. The next thing is environment, I think. Yeah, environments. This is, I suppose, creating an environment for your team and making sure it's an environment that will truly unlock their potential. The big one I use here is creating an empowering culture, a culture where you empower your team to, you know, you take a, a risk with them and allow them to make their own decisions, to come up with their own ideas. And that's going to be facilitated by trust, but also with the, the mindsets that they'll do things differently to you. In some ways, if you empower them truly, they may come up with some better solutions, better ideas, better ways of doing it. And this is always quite challenging for those leaders who've got a big ego because they feel they, they have all the answers. But actually, if you empower, doesn't mean you let go and give all responsibility. You're just empowering them to think for themselves because you're paying them to think for themselves. They'll feel more engaged, more excited. They'll feel they want to participate. You get a team that they'll then start to do things that they didn't realize they could do. You've got to nurture that and you've got to really give them clear boundaries. And that's really important. You can't just say to them, off you go. You've got to give them a time scale. You might give them a, a budget resource. I want you to achieve this project B, but I want you to do it in this time frame, and I want you to do it with this amount of money. And then you let them work out how they do it and the specificness. You know, you've got to give them real clarity of that in terms of what the purpose and expectations are of them in that situation. But also, you know, empowering is not just throwing something and then wandering off. It's actually providing the support they need, whether that's you there, other people, the resources, the training, which is really important as well. I always say this to people. I said, because when you empower people, they may make mistakes because they're learning, doing new things, is to make sure you're kind on failure. But use that failure as an opportunity to learn, not to chastise, not to, to beat people up, not to be horrible, but to say, look, what can we learn from this situation? And then obviously making sure that we praise people, we give good feedback, really good feedback. I'm not talking about horrible feedback or you know just real positive but real clarity with that. And then with the leader, you know, be open to do new things. 
be open to instead of somebody saying to somebody they're going to go from A to B, actually they may go to A to C to get to B because that's a more efficient way or whatever it may be. They'll come up with ideas. And so that for me is that that environment is really important. Two thoughts on this. One with the errors in my businesses, we have an error log, like each business has its own error log and we put in every fuck up that we have committed, like customer complaint, basically anything that ever goes wrong. And then we review to the leadership team and then we talk about, you know, which SOP or what do we change to make sure this will not happen again. And so we're kind of like a self-healing machine. And, you know, it's part of a process. It's not a big deal when you call out, when you, when you make a mistake. When if you do the same mistake over and over and over again, then we have to have a talk. But other than that, it's very, very open. You will not get into trouble. The only time you get into trouble if you don't add the fuck up in the error log. You know, so we have like this, this culture where it's like absolutely okay because we're, we're happy. We welcome the error so we can make sure it will never happen again. And then the second thing you said in terms of being the leader or setting expectations, my management mentor many years ago, he told me, I was really struggling back then to, to manage people properly. He said, you have to wear four different hats when you, when you manage somebody. First, you have to be the leader. You have to set expectations. As he said, you're kind of being clear, like, you know, what should you produce and how kind of should this look? Second one is you inspect what you expect because people only respect what you inspect. So you basically kind of like check, check in on them. And yeah, you have to, because it's always my mistake. I gave, I want this and I didn't look at it for too long. And then I came back and was like, okay, what, what are you doing here? You know, this doesn't, doesn't make any sense. You know, kind of like after 10% of the work is done, they should submit it to you so you can review it. Or ideally you have like ways of checking in without even bothering them. The third hat you have to wear is the, so first was leader, second was inspector. The third one is the coach. As you said, kind of giving feedback in a positive manner and like, how can they improve the learnings that you got from inspecting it? And you kind of run through these three over and over. And then from time to time, you bring in the fourth, which is the judge rewards and consequences. Either, hey, you get a bonus or hey, you get demoted or we get rid of you. So this helped me really tremendously with managing people. But I think it's good as leaders to, to know those hats and to know those aspects with teams because you have to in some ways, multitask in terms of your role and how you approach things. And I think that's, it's been mindful of that. Another thing for environment really is, and it's a one that which a lot of organizations can struggle with, is having consistency in your message and in your behavior. Nobody wants to work for somebody where they turn up at the office and say, are they in a good mood today or what's happened or something goes wrong and they're going to kick off because it creates that uneasiness, that almost that psychological toxicity that People just don't thrive in at all. And so I'm not saying you don't get emotional. I'm not saying, you, you know, things happen. I'm German. I have no emotions. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's that consistency. And it sounds really boring, but actually people like consistency because they they trust you. You're reliable. It's really good to have that in, in a sense of in a business. And I think as leaders, we need to make sure whatever message, you know, I've been in organizations where, you know, one day we're, we're heading towards the north. Next minute we're going east. And, and you're thinking we're chopping and changing and everybody goes, oh, I have no idea what we're doing. And, and you lose faith and confidence and trust. And so you, you've got to be clear with where you want to go and what you're doing, be consistent with that. And then also the behaviors have got to match what you're saying as well. And so I think that's really important because as a leader, we set the expectation, we set the tempo and the pace. And I think we need to think be more mindful of our impacts of how we do that as well. One thing I always do with direct reports that I, you know, when I give them critical feedback, you know, you can do the management bullshit sandwich where like, hey, you're amazing here. This sucks. You have to prove it. And then, hey, you're amazing there. So they don't feel too beat up when you give them critical feedback. 
I always, when I critique them and they become defensive, I always tell them like, Hey, I'm actually doing this because I want you to be a rock star. I want you to crush it. You know, I'm here to support you. It's not that I'm having a bad day that I'm giving you this negative feedback. And usually it takes like two or three times, but then it clicks. You know, you also have to do like other actions that they really understand that you have their best interest at heart. And once you do this, then you can create this culture and trust that just creates an amazing environment, you know, with no hidden agendas or whatever. Yeah. Often people know where they're failing generally. And that's where if you ask more questions of people and not in an interrogation way, actually by asking questions, they'll come to a place where actually they realize they've messed up and the learning will come out of that more so than just, obviously you, you, you don't have to point out things to them or you add to what they've said, but actually, you know, when somebody does mess up, you ask questions rather than saying, oh, that was bad. Actually, well, what do you think about that? What do you think went wrong? How might you do it differently next time? And actually that creates a learning and then you may want to add to it things that they perhaps missed because they might miss stuff. And that's, that's the important thing because people learn when it comes from them in a sense of their own motivation. If somebody gets told something, it feels very much like, yeah, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Talking about environment, also like, you know, for example, our airlock, it's, it's a topic that comes up in every meeting that we have with the management team. So it's like this cadence, this rhythm, this environment. In all my one-on-ones that I have, I also ask three check-in questions. So I ask them like, what's going really well right now? What is draining you? And how do you rate yourself from zero to 10? This kind of always gives the platform of like, you know, and excavates things that maybe not even on top of their mind, but like, oh, what's, what's draining me? You know, like, oh yeah, this thing's not really going well, et cetera. And then you have like the basis of giving them critical feedback, you know, because like, this is like, I think performance reviews once a year are absolute bullshit. Totally agree. Who can remember this stuff? We have eight dogs, you know, so I love dogs. When you train dogs, you have to get them in the moment to give them feedback. You know, if they do something and like three hours later, you talk to them, they're like, eh, wait, what? So it has to be like instant feedback. And it's the same thing when, you, when you're being coached. Yeah, it has to be in, in the moment. It's kind of doing this on a weekly basis or however often your one-on-ones are. It has been working phenomenally well for me. I agree. I'm not averse to yearly reviews where you, you solidify things and put some plans in place for development and everything else. But feedback is it's an ongoing process and it, it should be done in a one-to-one every weekly to it or however you, often you do it but asking questions as you said those questions are powerful questions that you would ask you get far more out of that than anything else and just by sitting back and listening you'll you'll know exactly where your employee is at and what help they might need and and you can ask some more questions i think that's really powerful actually i also ask myself questions every sunday when i plan the next week i always ask myself questions for example if I would only have four hours to work next week, the entire week, only four hours, you know, what would be the things that I'd be focusing on? You know, this kind of gives me a lot of clarity on like what is the stuff that actually really matters right now so I can kind of drive this forward and not just like get lost in like the one million things that we could do. I'm a huge fan of coaching questions to ask to my team, but also myself to reflect and be clear. The third point that you have in terms of how to solve to unlocking the potential of your team is employing key skills to accomplish that. What do you mean by that? We've just talked about it, really. It's this questioning, and it's asking those questions. And I think it's a forgotten art in some ways, asking powerful questions, open questions that will elicit far more information done in the right context. I'm not talking pretend listening or fake listening or I'm nodding my head because that's what people do. I'm talking seriously in listening on every level, looking at their body language, you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about the next question or the next answer. All you're thinking about is what they're saying and how they're saying it and the tone and the, the emotion behind it. And I think those are really powerful. And 
I use, not that I use it in the context of my coaching, but I, I talk to a lot of uh, leaders and to help them sort of get the best out of the team is, is using the what you call the grow model of coaching. It's a very established model of approach. And it's a way of, I guess, eliciting some sort of goals, but then building it through to a point of execution as well. Because obviously you want people to execute on those goals. And so GROW stands for goals, reality, opportunities or options, and will, as in execute. And so it's sitting down with those individuals and saying, you know, what are your goals? What do you intend to do in this business? Whether it's personal goals, business goals, again, asking questions and then asking them, where are they now right now? You know, what is the sort of reality, you know, questions of what is happening now? What steps have you taken now? What degree of control do you have on this outcome? It's that sort of questions, powerful questions. And then starting to look at options. What could you do to achieve that? What are the barriers what help do you need from me? And imagine you knew the answer to the issue, what would it be? And then again, that elicits just different, broader thinking rather than assuming the way we've always done it or just translating your own experience of achieving that goal onto them. Actually, they're different. They'll approach it differently. And then the final thing is almost like, what needs to happen then for this? This is the will. This is how can it happen? What needs to happen? And, and will you address this goal? And that causes the actionable bit go away with a specific time i'm going to address this and i'll speak to this person tomorrow and it's that aspect of driving delivery because the important thing is is asking questions and listening but you want to get them to a point where they go away motivated engaged and create some action makes sense uh, actually, i actually haven't heard about the grow model but it makes a lot of sense it's just the simplest i mean there's other models out there but it, it just helps you frame a process when you're talking with somebody you don't think too hard about it you know you just go through it in a very relaxed way I'm a very lazy person, so I like to have SOPs for everything where I can just like mindlessly follow the stuff that makes sense, you know, and then kind of tweak it later. But I love having these type of things. And also just one last thing on that is using silence, which is not just listening, but allowing people to think because some people think quicker and slower than others and allowing silence to facilitate that and being comfortable with that as well. Like in sales, you know, kind of like dropping the offer or the ask and just like leaning back and letting it marinate. <laughs> Same thing, right? <laughs> we often, we get silence and we just fill the void. We all naturally do it. But actually, in a nice sense, allowing, you know, ask a question and allowing that. Some people process things differently at different speeds. And so allowing that just to sink in and then to think, think through and then to articulate what they're thinking. What are the top three skills you need to motivate your team? If you'd really boil it down and a leader comes to you and says like, hey, how can I be a better leader? What are the top three things that I need to be a motivating leader? Yeah, I think for me on this, it does boil down to three things. I'll say what they are and then I'll go into a bit more detail of, of each of those. The first one is for leaders to create a compelling vision. The second one is, is to lead by example. And then the final one is, and we've touched on it already, is, is empowering your team. So starting with the, the compelling vision, we know vision is important, but I think sometimes vision statements are just sometimes just painted on the walls of, of organizations or on the websites. So it's got to be compelling. It's exciting. It's something of the future. And the reason why it's important, it makes people lift their gaze from their day-to-day. -day. Their day-to-day, -day, they're a data analyst and they just put data in, or you know, they're working for NASA back in the 60s, and their mission statement or vision statement is to get a, a man on the moon by the end of the decade. Inspiring, compelling vision. But you may be, just be the data analyst, but actually when you go into a meeting and they get reminded again, our vision is 
to get a man on the moon, you go, yes, that's why I do the data analysts. That's why I do that job that will get that man on the moon. That's why I'm the man who drops off the spacesuits or the supplier that brings in the fuel for the rockets. It's something like that that starts to make everybody's part to play part of that vision. What's also really important is, surprisingly, we will get bumps in the road. We will get things that will knock us off. And you need to get people back to what the vision is, because that is that your guiding lights. That is a way of creating solutions of a problem. If you know where you're going on a journey and you may have problems on the way, at least you know where you're going. You might have to navigate slightly differently. You might take a little bit longer than normal. But to have a, a vision that everybody knows is vital. So to me, that's important. And it's also important to consistently cast that vision, talk about it, explain what it means to you, what it means in the context of their job, and really interact with people, but also get people to, to question it, to be inquisitive of it as well. You know, I think actually it's one of the best management tools to have mission, vision, values, and use them. For example, I bring this example up all the time. A friend of mine started Ring.com, and they have these doorbells, you know, where you can see on your phone who's there, you can talk to them. There also have these floodlights that go on the side of the house where you have like these two big lights and then you know the camera and the microphone, etc. So when somebody comes onto your property, you can say like, hey, what are you doing here? Get lost or call the police. And one of the engineers came to him and said like, hey, I have the best idea ever. Since we have these floodlight thingies, we could program the party mode. So when party mode is on and you know, since they have a microphone, if the music plays, the lights flash with the music. You know, engineer thought that's the best idea ever. And he would have told him that's a stupid idea, go back to your desk, and then he would have crushed him, and he would probably never bring up other ideas. So he just said, like, okay, that's cool, but what does this have to do with our mission, our vision, which is to make neighborhoods safer? You know, and then, like, people can kind of make decisions based on vision, mission, values, and if they really hammer this into people's heads and you kind of use it as a management tool all the time, then everybody will know this, and then, you know, everybody will not even come up to ask questions because they'll know, what are we here to do? Does this really fit or does this not fit? Exactly. And it creates that alignment, isn't it? Is that what I'm doing? Will it get me closer to our vision as a business? Yeah, you'll know. Yeah. And, it, and it's a conversation then. But yeah, it, it's so important. But it's also quite motivating because it, it's, it's a view of the future, isn't it? It's a view of something quite big. You know, if you were part of NASA in the 60s. I'm sure that's quite exciting to be something as big as that. But we can do that in, in all our organizations. The other one, which I, is really important in sort of motivating your team is leading by example. And again, sounds really dull, sounds really not very impressive as management speak, but role modeling is again, something that is really powerful. Our imagination and imitation are powerful forms of learning and really shape human behavior. It really does. And we all throughout our lives from the day we're born, you know, we're imitating patterns of other people around us, whether that's our mum and dad, our brothers, sisters, our friends, families, everything else, we're imitating because we're just taking it all in. A lot of it is subconscious. And so it's important to, to be aware of this. My daughter doesn't do what I tell her to do. My daughter does what I do. Same thing in the business. I'll say that the, the fish starts thinking at the head. It's a German saying, I don't know if this translates well in English, but the idea is, you know, if the leadership team doesn't walk the walk, everybody thinks like, why the heck would I do this? Yeah. And, and I, I talk with a lot of leaders and I say to them, just be mindful that the moment you, whether you're on a Zoom call, whether you're walking into the office, whether you're sending an email, people are observing you in some capacity. And some of it may be conscious, some may be subconscious. Just make sure you're cognitive of that. If you walk into a room and then you make an impact, you know, make sure you're, you're doing it in a way that's impactful. Are you, are you aware of people's 
facial expressions when they see you or do they step away from you and things like that as you know it's been mindful because that whole sort of modeling it goes more than beyond just simple mimicry and imitation it goes deep beyond into our thoughts our values our behaviors and almost our emotional reactions that people start to model and start to feel as well and so there's a, there's a lot of psychology behind all this in terms of modeling and, and sort of people seeing and observing other people's behavior and reflecting that as well so i always say to leaders you know if you want to model something what you want to see in those in that organization then you've got to start doing it and then it'll start to happen do we cover all three compelling vision role modeling and then the final is empowering which we've talked already on actually again it's fulfilling and increasing your capacity i say to a leader You've got a team around you. If you empower them, you are multiplying your capacity, your impacts, and your innovation and your productivity. So go and do it and take the risk of some failures and mess ups. It's far more risky to empower than not to empower. Absolutely. You know, also at some point when we were just three people in the startup and we were rolling a boulder up the hill, it makes sense that I'm pushing myself as the leader. But once you have like 20 people pushing this boulder, you can take a step back and it's much better that you think about like, is it the right hill that we're pushing this thing up? Is there something laying in front of it, et cetera? You know, so making the right decisions versus like doing the work and empowering people. Absolutely. Very cool, Julian. Any books, tools, or resources you want to recommend? I mean, I have a number of resources on my website. There's a whole course uh, book I've got on there or, or worksheets, workbook on how to unlock your team's potential, which goes into a lot more detail on what I've explained today. So that's quite a nice... 15-page documents. So you just go to my website and you can download that for free. For those who listen on the podcast, it's julianrobertsconsulting.com. Not Julia Roberts, julianrobertsconsulting.com. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it, it's, it's a good reminder thing. I think this will stick in people's heads. For the right reasons, I hope. <laughs> Is there anything you want to pitch or you want to share with people? I've really seen the value of working with teams and groups in organizations over the last sort of uh, six months or so. And so I'm, I'm actually doing a, a mastermind group. I'm starting a well, number of cohorts. I'm starting in the autumn term, sort of uh, September, October time. And it's, it's aimed at emerging leaders. So leaders who are future leaders or just becoming to leadership. And it's like a, a nine month sort of program. So you meet monthly and there'll be some sort of content in terms of helping people in terms of leadership, you know, leading diverse teams, how to make the organization more human, those things, but also It'll be doing what we call hot seating. So people come in to bring their challenges, their, their sort of problems and working as a group together. The groups of five or six are quite small, quite exclusive. But yes, if you're interested in that, do get in contact with me. That'd be great. Awesome. And how can people get in contact with you? I sort of live on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn under Julian Roberts. And you can get through to my websites, which you've just said, julianrobertsconsulting.com as well. Awesome. Julian, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Brilliant. I've loved it, David. It's been good to see you and uh, speak to you again. Likewise. Rock and roll. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. 
dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.